You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Welcome to the Extension Hour. I'm Amy Ressler, County Extension Agent, Family and Community Health here in Montgomery County. I've got Brandon Gregson with me. He's our County Extension Agent for Agriculture. And we have a great guest today that we're really excited about because this is the Extension Hour. We talk about all kinds of things with Extension. And, you know, and we've, we've mentioned this a lot when we have our, our show, right? To, there's quite a variety of things that we cover. So like one time we're covering mental health. The next time we're talking about horses. Well, today we are going to talk about agriculture law and of course texas a&m agri-life extension service there's agriculture and then there's life and then i guess you can't have agriculture and you can't have life without having a little bit of law in there as well right (laughs) so um our guest today is uh tiffany lashman and tiffany i'm just gonna let you introduce yourself and tell us like your official title and a little bit about what you do Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to join you. Um, My official title is I'm an Extension Agricultural Law Specialist with Texas A&M. I'm based in the Panhandle up in Amarillo, where it is a brisk, you know, 20 degrees today. Um, And I uh, serve the entire state of Texas. So essentially, I do agricultural law education statewide. So that can be anything from, you know, presentations to... um, uh, I have a podcast and a blog, so just different ways to try and get information to folks related to agricultural law. Right, right. And you're, there's, there's like only one of you, right? Are you the only agricultural law specialist? That's right. Yes, I am the agricultural law specialist for um, Texas, which, you know, it turns out it's sort of a big state in comparison to some of my friends who have similar jobs like this in Maryland and some places like that. Right, right. Because Texas is big <laughs> and there's a lot of agriculture here. Right. So, um, Brandon, you have um, utilized uh, Tiffany in, in a couple of different aspects. And, uh, you know, I think, of course, things have been interesting recently. We were hoping to have her um, come to Montgomery County for a conference. We had a big um, program planned. Yeah. yeah. And it, it can still happen, maybe, yeah. at some point. We're, we're we'll do that. Yep. <laughs> so, d- uh, talk a little bit about uh, Montgomery County and how this. Um, the specialty that Tiffany has and how that affects. So, I mean, what does that mean for our Montgomery County residents? Well, it's just like what's happening right now. We're getting the time of year. I mean, it happens anyway, but we got a lot of people there calling about different things that they want to do for the springtime, fertilization, um, pasture management. Um, what do I need to do with my cows? We've got on top of that, a lot of people who um, currently are buying small properties, um, 10 acres, 15, 20, um, up to you know 50 acres in some some parts but most of the time it's 10 or 15 acres and they want to know what can I do with my property um, and there's a lot of things that people may not necessarily think about in terms of ag law when they're dealing with property pesticide use fence law livestock laws there's this whole you know menagerie of things out there that people need to consider uh, when they're when they are going to buy property or they've purchased property and um, Tiffany's a great resource for that here in Montgomery County we're just seeing a whole lot of fragmented land that's being bought up by people and um, ag law is a really important thing that they need to consider okay and so Tiffany I, you know I feel like you know we say ag law and people we, we think that maybe people know what we mean but um, 
let, let's just talk a little bit about what that really means, just to make sure that we're all on the same um, playing field when we talk about agriculture law and what kinds of things that that includes. Yeah, that's a really good question, Amy, because agricultural law really is, I mean, it could almost be anything. I, I have a friend who, um, you know, she does family law and she says, look, people in agriculture get divorces too. So that's agricultural law as well. So it can really run the gamut. I mean, we're talking things like, you know, contracts or um, secure transactions like loans and things like that. It can be food law. You know, I have a friend who does food labeling work. It could be things like fence law and water law and oil and gas touches on agriculture. So it's a pretty broad scope in general. I guess what I would say is I focus my work on legal issues affecting rural landowners. So I would do less of like the food law and less of the, you know, kind of corporate transactional stuff like big security interest deals. Um, I do a lot of things related to landowner liability, fence law, water law, um, estate planning, eminent domain, just sort of any legal issue that could potentially affect a rural landowner in the state of Texas. Okay. And so, like we mentioned, there's only one of you in the entire state of Texas that works for Texas A&M Ag Life Extension Service. Obviously, there's lawyers who do things. Right. But um, so do you, do you practice law or you just provide advice? So, no, I just provide advice. Uh, A&M actually won't let me do any sort of outside representation of clients uh, I, I guess it would be kind of a conflict of interest, right? Like sure. if I come to your county and I give you this program and tell you you need to get a will and then I like pass out my business card. So I, I see where they're coming from. Um, so I just do the educational components. I will say that there's a great um, group of agricultural attorneys across the state. I'm involved in, a, in several different groups with the state bar and different organizations. So I've got good relationships with folks. And so I always tell people if anyone ever needs a recommendation or they're looking how to find an attorney in their area, I can certainly help with that. I just don't take uh, private clients. Okay, so you provide advice and education because that's sometimes that's where people need to start, right? Like they don't even know what kind of lawyer they need or or what you know what does this entail, right? So you yeah. have a lot of resources for people. That's exactly right. And you know, like Brandon's talking about the number of people buying land and, and new landowners in Montgomery County and. Gosh, that's an issue where I, you can really see the light bulbs go off at programs where people think like, oh my gosh, we bought this land and I never thought about all of these potential legal issues. And so I sometimes tell them all I've done is give everyone nightmares now. But um, <laughs> that's a lot of the programming I do is just educating people on potential issues that could come up. And I just think if you've got at least a little bit of background, right, if you've heard of eminent domain and you know the two or three takeaways I give at one of my presentations, when that happens, you're at least not starting from scratch and you're not just completely blindsided. That makes sense. So your presentations, like what would someone expect from a presentation by Tiffany? Yes. It, I mean, you know, they can differ depending on the, the presentation. The one that we were going to do last year, actually, it's crazy, Brandon, that, that was the owning your piece of Texas program in Montgomery County was the first program I had canceled because of COVID. Uh, we were supposed to do it last March. And you remember, we were just sure that in like a couple months, we'd be back up and running and there'd be no problem. We'd just do it again. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we're just going <clears> to <throat> a couple weeks. Yeah. Clearly, we're not the public health specialists, right? So um, <laughs> that program is really fun. It's called Owning Your Piece of Texas, and it really is a look at the key laws for Texas landowners. It's a half-day program. Um, we cover five or six different topics. Uh, everybody who comes gets a copy of a handbook that I wrote. It's called Owning Your Piece of Texas. It's actually a 13-chapter handbook. 
that really goes into a lot of these topics for people. Um, and so that's a really fun one where it's just an overview. Uh, it's me up in front, you know, with a PowerPoint. I like to think I'm funny, so I try to tell jokes. I have a lot of like stories from people in my own life because, you know, uh, my family's involved in agriculture. We're landowners, so I have a lot of stories like from my dad and my husband. And then you wouldn't believe the phone calls I field uh, at work. So I've always, I feel like I always have some like interesting stories to keep people entertained. And then you have a lot of other resources, right? A blog, a podcast, handbook. Yeah, that's right. So I, in addition to the in-person programs, I really try to have a, a pretty strong internet presence because right there's, like you said, there's one of me and I just can't get everywhere that I need to go. And a lot of people, it doesn't work for them to get to a program at 10 o'clock in the morning or whatever. So um, if you were looking just to get some basic information, I, I guess I've got two kind of main resources. One of those is a podcast. It's called Ag Law in the Field. Essentially, I just interview an ag lawyer about a different topic every episode. Um, and next month, we're going to release episode number 100. So we've got a lot of uh, ground that we have covered. And, and again, everything from, you know, estate planning. We've had several on eminent domain that are really popular. Uh, solar leases, you know, things like transfer on death deeds, fence law. Uh, there's some really cool programs or um, episodes you can listen to there and like I say uh, they're available online if you listen to podcasts they're on your podcast player and they're free so that's a good resource uh, the second resource I've got is called the Texas Agriculture Law blog you can google that and it'll you know pop right up and I think you guys are going to have a link for folks as well mm -hmm. essentially say, say that one more time though just 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 in case <laughs> one more time yeah, yeah. Uh, essentially there's so a Texas Agriculture Law blog essentially it's just um, all the ag law information I compile goes in one place. And so every Monday I do a post. So if there's a new case, if I've done a new fact sheet, if I've done a write-up on some topic, there'll be a new post every Monday. Um, additionally, it's kind of a clearinghouse for any publications that I do. So any handbook I've ever written, you can get for free online. All you have to do is go to that website. You can get the PDF. Um, fact sheets, handbooks, articles, it's all housed there. Um, there's a search function there that I think is really helpful. So if you're looking about, need information about fence law issue, you can search fence law and get all the blog posts I've done over the last eight years on that topic. So, yeah. So Brandon, do you have a favorite resource from Tiffany that you've utilized? Um, I, I think the fence law is really interesting. Um, that, you know, that's one thing. Tiffany is a great resource. She's one that I actually use personally. Um, <laughs> she gives me advice personally as a new landowner. So she's definitely one that I feel very confident passing out with any of the information. Her, her phone, I'm sure, stays really busy, you know, because I can't be the only one in the state offering her name up. But uh, yeah, just uh, everything that she really does is really interesting from a landowner standpoint, because there's a lot of things that even though we've been, my family's had land forever, um, cattle forever, dealt with fences and pastures and ponds and whatever forever. And I've been doing this for 20 years. There's a lot of things that she brings up that I too didn't even know, you know, as an extension agent. So I'm constantly learning things, um, especially that estate stuff and death tax and, you know, all that kind of stuff is really something people need to 
at least have some kind of basic information on. Yeah. So. Well, so we are very fortunate to have someone like Tiffany in Texas A&M AgriLife Extension for you being one of our people, because that's what we do in Extension. We are at the, here at the Extension Hour, too. We talk about our people, our programs, and our partnerships, and, um, you know, people and the, all the programs that you do are awesome, too. So we've talked a little bit about some of the questions that come up. What we want to do now is we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and um, kind of go over some of those frequently asked questions um, that you get, and then um, also that Brandon gets here in uh, Montgomery County and kind of how those are addressed. So we're going to take a break, and we'll be back right after this. This is the Extension Hour on Lone Star Radio, 103.5, 106.1, and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. We'll be right back after this. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has been dedicated to educating Texans for over a century. In 1915, the Extension Program was established under the federal Smith-Lever Act to deliver university knowledge and agricultural research findings directly to the people. Ever since, AgriLife Extension Programs have addressed the emerging issues of the day, serving diverse populations across the state. Texans turn to Extension for solutions in horticulture, agriculture, 4-H and youth, and family and consumer sciences. Extension agents respond not only with answers, but also with resources and services that result in significant returns on investment to boost the economy. Join us Fridays at one o'clock for the AgriLife Extension Hour. Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out IRLoneStar.com slash sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776 with your questions. Get seen on TV, YouTube, and heard on our podcast, FM, and internet radio. Support your local radio station with Lone Star Community Radio. Hey, this is Wayne Green, your host for Radio Wayne, Spoke and More. Each Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m., I'll be playing folk, singer-songwriter, Americana, blues, bluegrass, classic country, Cajun Zydeco, Celtic swing, and whatever else seems to fit. Once again, that's Radio Wayne, Spoke and More, every Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on Lone Star Community Radio. And welcome back to the Extension Hour. People, programs, partnerships, all about extension, all of the things that we do. And uh, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, I don't know what the, what the fortune is, but law. It, uh, talking about law and legal aspects of agriculture. I mean, legal aspects of all kinds of life, but um, particularly when it comes to agriculture, the law plays a, a part. And the more um, proactive you are in thinking about those things ahead of time, probably the more successful you're going to be. Um, Brandon, you mentioned a little bit about um, new landowners, and but even sometimes people have owned land for a long time. I mean, laws change, right? So there's um, lots of things that, that come up. So Tiffany is um, the agricultural law specialist that we have with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. And I said the specialist because you're the one. Um, whenever questions come up, it comes to you. So um, in this segment, we wanted to talk a little bit about some of those frequently asked questions um, that come up. So if you were to say like the question that you get, you get asked the most, what would you say that that is, Tiffany? 
Yeah, I think, I mean, there are a couple, but I think if I had to pick the one that I get the most and, and maybe also the one that I feel like I can be the most helpful on are questions about landowner liability, right? So the idea of if somebody comes to my property and gets injured, what do I do, right? How can I protect myself? And that's an area, like you were saying, Amy, if you can be proactive um, and hopefully avoid yourself ever ending up in a lawsuit, ever having to worry about the financial implications of something like this, um, learning about the law related to landowner liability and the steps that a rural landowner can take to protect the operation is probably the question that I get the most. And so what kind of advice do you give people on that topic? Yeah. So in general, the, the first thing I say is, you know, act now. You What, what you don't want to do is call me after somebody got hurt and ask this question, right? So you want to think about it before something happens. Uh, the first tip I always give people is you need to have liability insurance, period. No exceptions. Every landowner and every person who is leasing agricultural land needs to have liability insurance. Um, and the reason for that, right, insurance is sort of twofold. And I think we all think about the first benefit, which is, right, you have your policy limits. And if somebody gets injured, um, your insurance company is going to pay a settlement up to that policy limit. But the other thing that insurance does, liability insurance, is it provides you a defense if somebody gets hurt, right? Which essentially means if somebody gets injured on my property, my first phone call is to my insurance company and they're gonna hire me a lawyer on their dime to defend me in that lawsuit. And I don't know if you've priced lawyer fees lately, but we're not cheap, right? right. So having that sort of almost like lawyer on retainer, thanks to the insurance company is a real benefit. And so um, that's the most important thing is have that liability insurance, make sure that your policy covers everything that you have going on and that's really just you know working with an agent to make sure they understand what you're doing. They've got the right kind of coverage, the right amount of coverage. Um, it's really important. So that's one of the main things that we we talk about. Another and, sorry, um, just to Amy, clarify sorry. just a little bit. So um, we say work with an agent, and you mean an insurance agent, right? Because you know the that's first right. thing that that's we right. think. Yeah, Amy's <laughs> don't call me. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's one of those many hats we wear. Yeah. Yes, because that's we right. could get a question like that, but you know we would. Right. Right. Yes. <laughs> We would refer them to where they need to go. Okay, so first, get a, have a policy, get a good insurance agent, one that knows what they're talking about too, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I'm there's specialists, yes. insurance specialists that um, specialize in agriculture insurance. Yeah, I always tell people, look, I don't care where you get your insurance, right? Is But I would recommend either get with a company or at least an agent who understands agriculture because that way you're speaking the same language. Right. So when you're talking about something that you do on the ranch, they know what that means and you don't have to really start at ground zero. OK, sounds good. So then that's the next thing that you would tell people. Yeah. Another thing to think about in this arena is there are a couple of limited liability statutes that exist in Texas law. Um, essentially, these are where the legislature has stepped in and basically said, look, we're going to give some statutory protection to rural landowners in certain situations if somebody gets injured on their property. So it's almost like free liability protection that's written into the statute, but you got to know about these and jump through the right hoops to get the protections. So I always tell people, if you've got rural land, and especially if you're going to have recreational users, right, people coming to hunt or fish or go swimming in the pond or ride four-wheelers, you need to really look at these statutes. And so there's three of them. Um, there's the Texas Recreational Use Statute, the Texas Agritourism Act, 
And then there's the Texas Farm Animal Liability Act. And they all offer different protections. They all have different requirements. I mean, we could do a whole show on those, but just be aware that they exist. And I would really recommend you, if you're a rural landowner, take the time to look at those. Um, it's not that difficult to make sure that their requirements apply to your operation so that you've got those potential legal protections. Okay. And then is there one, one more that's related to um, liability insurance? Yeah, yeah, I can offer you um, one more related to landowner liability is I get a lot of questions about liability waivers. Right, so or, or sometimes you'll hear them called liability release. So if you're going to have hunters come and you want them to sign a liability release, and you people will say, "Was well, that even worth the paper that's written on? Am I just wasting my time?" Um, and the answer is, in general, in Texas, courts will enforce those releases if they're properly drafted, okay, and if the injured party is an adult. It can get a little bit tricky if the injured party is a minor. So if there's someone under the age of 18 who gets injured, those waivers become a little bit iffy as to whether a court will enforce them or not. Um, but yeah, so I, I always recommend if you're going to have people out there for, again, recreational uses, especially hunters, I think it's a good idea to have a liability waiver drafted. Um, and I, I'll tell you, you know, that's one of the things you can probably Google it and find something online or, you know, something for $39.99, they'll print you a form or whatever. That's an area of the law, I think, in Texas that's tricky enough and courts are picky enough that it's really good to use an attorney to draft up that liability waiver. And I know nobody wants to pay the lawyer fees, but I'll tell you, um, a lot of times those lawyers, it's not that expensive to get a waiver. They probably have kind of a standard form they use. And once you get it, you can probably use that for years without having to get it redone. It's not something you'll have to have the lawyer rewrite every year and you can just keep using that form. So. Um, that's kind of the third piece of, of liability protection that I always mention. Okay. So Brandon, Tiffany just mentioned um, some of the things that nightmares are made out of, right? So the um, liability issues. Is there anything that particularly concerns you or something that you've heard about that happens maybe more often in Montgomery County than maybe other well, places? Anything concerning, um, you know, ha just having people over at your property and the unexpected happening, and that can be anything, you know, you know get run over by a cow or you fall off a horse or um, kids climbing on things and just fall out of a tree um, heaven forbid they fall in the pond um, ATV issues mm -hmm. just so many things um, yeah there's a lot of nightmares out there if I sit and brainstorm you know mm -hmm. but um, and you hear about them periodically and yes here here and everywhere those things happen so yeah. And if I'm hearing what you're saying, Tiffany, that just being, again, proactive, knowing the laws, making sure that you've got a good insurance agent who has good coverage for you and, you know, not, it's not a place really to cut corners in terms yeah. of finances. No, that, I, think that that's, I think that's a good summary, Amy. Like, this isn't where you want to cut corners and this isn't where you want to wait till there's a problem to take action. So, and a lot of times I'll, I'll speak on this and talk about cases and people are like, okay, lock the gates. We're never letting anyone in <laughs> right. again. And I always say, right, like, don't panic. I'm not telling you not to ever have friends over. I'm just saying, take some of these steps uh, to make sure that you don't have to panic so that you can let people come over to your place. All right. So speaking of gates, another thing that you said you get asked often has to do with fence laws, right? So let's talk a little bit about 
that. So yeah, yeah, that probably is the second question, um, second most asked question I get is, is issues related to fence law. And when you look at legal issues, um, there's probably the most bad information out there on fence law yeah. of any other legal topic. So I call it coffee shop law sometimes, right? And it's it's what you hear at the coffee shop and you think it's the law and maybe it's not. Um, <laughs> so you so have to have some good one defense issue with a lot of questions right? is about loose livestock. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Amy. No, no. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird with the Zoom because I, uh, yeah, I just had to throw in my little joke. You have to have good defense mechanisms in place. <laughs> defense, right? that's yes. right. Okay, that's yeah. right. So coffee shop, um, sorry. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. So we have a lot of questions about loose livestock. Mm. So if cattle get out and they get hit on the road, who's liable, right? Am I as the cattle owner potentially liable? Or what if um, I was leasing that property from somebody else? How does that work with the landowner? And so that's an area where there are a lot of questions. And Texas law is a little confusing, to be honest with you. Um, what you've that. got to find out, you've got to do some homework um, and see, are you in an open range area or a closed range area? And that's going to differ depending on what county you're in. Sometimes it even differs depending on what part of the county the collision may have happened. Oh, wow. Um, so that's one thing I, I would tell folks is if you've got, especially if you have livestock, you need to know, is your county um, an open range county or a closed range county? Because that really impacts the potential uh, legal responsibility that you have. All right. So do you know what we are, Brandon? Closed. Closed? Yeah. So what does that, yeah. what does that mean? We're a closed range county. Yeah, so what it means to be a closed range county, that means that the land or the livestock owner has the legal obligation to fence those animals in. Okay, so if, if a cattle gets out on the on the road, right, let's say on a farm to market road in Montgomery County, somebody hits a cow, the livestock owner had the obligation to fence that animal in, and they can be liable if the injured person can prove they permitted that cow to run at large. So it's not automatic liability. A court would look at all the facts to see things like how good were the fences? How often was this cow out? Did you leave the gate open? Um, all these sorts of kind of details, but that's the situation that would apply um, in Montgomery County because they're they're closed range because they have what's called a local stock law. Um, and like I said, we get lots of questions on that. There's another part of the statute related to this that says, no matter where you are in Texas, if a collision with an animal occurs on a state or US highway, that's also gonna be closed range. Um, and that's a little bit higher of a standard. A plaintiff would have to prove the owner knowingly permitted the animal to run at large, mm -hmm. which is a little bit tougher burden for a plaintiff. But again, it's just good to know in your area what the rule is and understand what your legal obligation is as a livestock owner. All right. Good information. You're like, yeah, providing lots of great things for people to to think about. So we're going to do another break. Um, we're going to talk. Uh, is there more about this that we want to talk about? And then um, also we've got a few other frequently asked questions that come up, lease agreements for, for one. And then we're also going to finish out our show with a little bit of kind of top 10, top five. I don't know how many it'll be, maybe somewhere in between. <laughs> um, number of things to, to think about um, when it comes to agriculture law, because we have the expert with us, Tiffany Lashment. And um, Brandon, I think that you're our local expert as well here in Montgomery County. So we are going to take a break and we'll come back with the extension hour right here on Lone Star Radio. From the beginning, the main purpose of the Cooperative Extension Service has been to change human behavior by teaching people how to apply the results of scientific research. By utilizing a holistic, 
multi-level approach, extension family and community health programs encourage health and well-being for everyone, addressing values, concerns, and needs with reliable science-based information. Extension programs help people lead healthier lives. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better. Did you know there are more than 790 abused and neglected children currently in foster care in Montgomery County? Will you help make a difference? I'm Allie Stevens with Costa Child Advocates of Montgomery County. We train and support volunteers to be the voice of children in the foster care system. Kids are removed from their home because of abuse and neglect, and we need volunteers just like you to advocate for these children. To learn more about becoming an advocate, please visit costaspeaksforkids.com. That's costaspeaksforkids.com. Hey y'all, it's DJ Mike from Dan Simon, Texas. Join me Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. as I count down the top 10 Texas Red Dirt songs that are packing the dance floor. I'll be featuring local artists and the story behind the hits, shows in the area, as well as new songs that make you want to dance. It's Dance Diamond Texas with DJ Mike on Lone Star Community Radio 104.5 KCZW and 106.1 KZCC, Conroe, Texas, or online, IRLoneStar.com. And here we are again. We're talking about agriculture law with Tiffany Lashman and Brandon Gregson. Um, different uh, laws, or maybe not different laws, but you have to make sure that you know what's happening in different parts of the, uh, the state. And so we've talked a little bit about Montgomery County, and we talked about how Tiffany um, helps landowners think about all the things that they could have nightmares about, like like loose, loose livestock was loose one of the things off. that you mentioned. Um, because when they get out, you know, who, who, who let the cows out? And there was you know there I meant to say this earlier I guess Tiffany was compiling at one point a list of counties and what their laws were mm. are you closed are you open range I don't know if did y'all ever uh, complete that or we're still working on it okay. um you know it, again and we're in a county the size of Texas and sometimes it's you know not the easiest thing to get those gathered up we're lucky with extension because we've got agents so mm -hmm. many places that are helping us um, I think we're close to uh, nearing about the 100 county mark that we have information for. And so our goal is to get those gathered up and to create a website where you can go like click on your county and pull up your local stock law. Because that's something that you would think that you're, you know, anybody in your county would know. But gosh, sometimes it's harder than you think to go and find the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of times your extension office can be a great help. And majority of cases, it's documentation like that stored at your county clerk's office. So uh, that's where it is here. And do those, is, does agriculture law change a lot? Do those types of regulations change very often? Or, I mean, because sometimes yeah. having printed things, it's hard to keep up with it because, you know, you print it or you post it and then it changes. Sure. No, it's a good question. So, so in general, the local stock laws don't change. A lot of those have been in place since the early 1900s. Oh, and wow. It's sort of once you get one in general, it, it probably is going to stay on the books. But I will tell you, you know, does fence law change? Yeah, it's crazy. We did a, a little kind of handbook on fence law, just a short little pamphlet kind of for landowners. We wrote that in 2015 and we actually just had a discussion. We've got to completely redo that handbook because there have been three or four really kind of seminal cases on fence law in the last five years here in Texas that makes us need to update that book. So, you know, it's one of those things you think, well, fences have been around forever. We've probably had cases on everything. 
No, right? And especially you guys are a great example as we see more new landowners and more and more land fragmentation and more people in a, a isolated area, we're going to see more issues come up. And when that happens, unfortunately, we're going to see more lawsuits that have to address these issues. Right. Mm-hmm. Which could result in changes. In yeah. The law. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So another thing, I, I don't know if this changes a whole lot, but it um, is going to happen to someone at some point, estate planning is one of those things that you're going to need to be um, aware of, and, and again, being proactive on those types of things really help prevent a lot of problems. And so you were mentioning during the break that that may be one of the, probably the third most um, question that you get asked, or and, and one of those things that um, affect a lot of different people. Yeah, right. I mean, when we look at sort of just the, the different topics I have, I mean, you know, fence law, you may or may not encounter a fence law issue in your life. Everybody's going to have to deal with um, death and estate planning, unfortunately. And so that's a topic where I think it's really important to have people um, to have information and to be, like you say, be proactive. You don't want to wait again until there's a problem to start taking action. And, you know, we saw a lot of that with the pandemic, right? All of a sudden, um, the the number of people who needed to go get a will, right, or who were Googling on legal Zoom or something to try to find a will went through the roof because it was like, oh my gosh, this could happen to us, right? Like we, something could happen and we need to have these documents in place. And so um, super important to think about, particularly important if you're involved in agriculture and you've got any sort of family operation, right? Things like, how are we going to leave this to the next generation? How are we gonna make sure that the family operation and the family legacy survives? Gosh, those are really issues that you don't wanna be making you know, in an emergency situation, here's the only choice we have, let's just do something. You wanna plan ahead. And so taking the time to have some of those conversations, you know, what does the future look like here? And are your kids interested in, in coming back to the farm? And some of those conversations, really important. Um, and then there are just a, a certain uh, legal documents that everybody needs to have as part of an estate plan. Okay, so whether they are involved in agriculture or not, is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, yes. If if you're involved in agriculture, I think it just makes it more complicated because there are just more things you really need to think through. Mm -hmm. As far as the legal documents go, there are four legal documents that everybody in Texas needs to have. I don't care if you, you know, have a big ranch or you have a house in town. You need to have a will, okay? Um, The importance of having a will, it sounds like it, I mean, it sounds like, yeah, whatever. Some people will say to me, it doesn't matter. Everything will just go to my spouse. Depending on your family situation, that may not be the case. Um, You may end up with your spouse having joint ownership of some assets with your parents or with children, and it can really be um, a mess. And so having a will is super important. The will can be typewritten or it can be handwritten. There are different rules that go with those, but Um, Even a simple will can really make a big difference to your family if something happens. Uh, Everybody should have what's called an advanced healthcare directive. Essentially, that's an instruction to your doctor about what to do in the event you are terminal or irreversible and whether or not you want any sort of life-sustaining treatment. And you can decide, you know, yes, no, or you want your agent to decide, but that's just a form that can be really helpful to make sure your wishes are carried out. Um, and can really sort of support and um, help family members who are having to make tough decisions in that situation. Uh, Two more are powers of attorney. The first one's um, a healthcare power of attorney. 
And essentially what that does is that lets you appoint someone to make medical decisions for you in the event you can't make them yourself, right? So if I'm unconscious, who is going to make medical decisions for me? That power of attorney sets that out. Uh, and then there's a just kind of a regular or financial power of attorney. It's the same concept. I would appoint someone to make decisions for me, but instead of about healthcare, that will be related to like assets and finances. And so those are the four documents. If you don't have anything else, um, you want to make sure you've got those four documents in place. The headache and the time and the expense, just that will take off of the shoulders of your family that's left behind is really um, just immeasurable. Okay. And then in a, in a situation where you do own land, um, have agriculture, what um, additional things would you recommend that people have? Yeah, well, when you own land right now, we've just got assets that um, potentially are worth more maybe than other assets. So you've got some additional things to think about there. If you've got an operating farm or ranch, you've got just, I just call them day-to-day -day considerations, right? Like who the heck is going to feed the cows? Mm. Um, who's going to be prepared to take over? And who knows things like, you know, what kind of seed do we buy? When do we plant this? How do we market our grain? Those sort of topics. Um, you just really have to think through, we call it a succession plan, right? How are we going to leave this family business to the next generation in a way that they can be successful? Um, you know, another issue that we're seeing more and more, and, and I would assume probably is, is happening in your area as well, is we've got a lot of folks who the parents maybe are aging and looking to, to you know, who they're going to leave the farm to, and the kids don't live here, and they're mm -hmm. maybe not moving back. Right, like if we've got one daughter that lives in LA and one daughter that lives in New York City, what do we do with the farm? And how is that gonna look? How do we set this up where it's gonna be right? If we're gonna sell it, there can be some tax considerations. Do we wanna sell it before we die? Should we wait till after we die? There's just a lot to think about there. There's just some, like I say, I think if you've got time for more planning because there's just more decisions to make, uh, for folks involved in agriculture, that's always better. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you have anything you wanted to add to that, Brandon? You said you were kind of had that on your mind recently. Well, I mean, yeah. and just here recently, there's been some cases where some elderly folks and their their um, kids are looking at the family farm, and there's been a lot of conversation about leaving it in, with certain entities to keep keep it safe. Like, um, I don't know, there's one called Ladybird or something like that 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 um and there's a bunch of them but um i guess the trust associated with that some people don't know whether that's a good idea or a bad idea you know when it comes to making sure your property is protected should something happen to you to help your kids out i don't know if you have any kind of perspective on that yeah well there's a lot of different things that you can look at there right i mean there are some people will look at putting land into a trust and there may be certain situations where that's a good idea. Um, business entities can be an option. Maybe the land should be owned not by mom, but by you know family LLC. There's areas where that can be beneficial. Um, Brandon, you mentioned the Ladybird deed. Um, there's similar something called the transfer on death deed. Right. Those deal with sort of getting ownership, technical ownership of that property out of someone's name, and can be really useful in the Medicaid planning. Medicaid. Um, Medicaid planning context, mm -hmm. right? Because if you need to qualify for Medicaid and you got the farm in your name, well, now maybe there's a problem. And so mm -hmm. there's some tools you can use to kind of work through that. 
And again, that's where you want to act now where you have time, right? And you have the mental capacity to analyze through all these different options and find the best route for you. What you don't want to do is be in a crisis situation where you're really worried about is, you know, mom going to survive and you're trying to make these kind of decisions. Right. And how, how often do you need to review those plans? I like to tell folks, once you get your plan in place, you should review it every year. Um, I do, I'm not kidding you. New Year's Day, I pull our little, I have a big folder. I pull it out and I flip through it. Let's just make sure nothing has changed, right? Has anyone died? Has anyone been born? Have we bought more land? It's just easy to catch that when you're flipping through your paperwork once a year. And that, there's one other thing I'll say on that, um, Amy, we talk a lot about you need to have a will and you need to think about your assets. You also need to double check any beneficiaries you've designated because what will happen, right? So when you guys started at A&M on like day one, right? They gave you your key. They told you you have to do monthly reports and they made you sign up for who your beneficiary is for your retirement and your life insurance. Then you don't think about it again for 15 years. <laughs> That's right. You've been here 25 years, right? That's exactly it. And so there was a case that came out of Dallas. It's been a couple of years ago now, but a guy got a $350,000 life insurance policy when he started his job 10 years and he named his girlfriend as the beneficiary. You can tell where this is going to go. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. So I was yeah. trying to keep my face straight, but uh. I know. I know. <laughs> 10 years later, the guy dies. He's got a wife and two kids. It ain't the same girlfriend. Okay. <laughs> she goes to collect the life insurance money. The will says she gets everything. And the insurance company says, no, you don't. Like the, the will doesn't apply to the life insurance because it passes by contract. It goes to the girlfriend. Lucky ex-girlfriend. And, and, yeah. and she took it. <laughs> so there was some bad blood, I think, between them. It doesn't matter. We're getting the weeds. Then we're getting into family so, law. <laughs> that's, right, that's right. Family law. Yeah. But but that's an area where you want to check those beneficiaries. I mean, that, that yearly checkup can be really important. All right. Good to know. So anything else you want to add uh, just really quickly about estate law? Um, I think that's the biggest thing. I'll tell you what I do. There's a really good podcast episode I have that's focused on elder law. And that's going to be looking more at those issues related to Medicaid. And what do we do? Like, how do we get stuff out of somebody's name? When do we need to do that? What are our other long-term care options? Um, if you look at my Ag Law in the Field podcast, there's an episode on elder law with an attorney uh, from New Braunfels named Kristen Porter. I think it's fantastic. Okay. All right. Good to know. She's really got a lot of good stuff on that blog. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's Ag Law in the Field. So the is podcast it, is Ag Law in the Field. Okay. Yep. And then the blog is called the Texas Agriculture Law Blog. And a good post on that might be I did one toward the end of last year, and it was sort of looking at how do we leave the farm? Are we better to transfer it before we die or after we die? Mm-hmm. And then we looked at things like ladybird deeds and transfer on death deeds, and when would we do what? That was a really popular post as well. Sounds like it. I can, and like we said, you want to think about that before there's a crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So before there's a crisis, we're going to take another little break. We're going to come back. Um, we are going to, um, you know, top five, top ten, how many ever you want to um, do. Tiffany, we'll we'll do those um, right here on the Extension Hour. We've got Brandon Gregson and Tiffany Lashman helping us out with a lot of agricultural law information, and we will be right back after this. 
God's Garage is a 501c3 that repairs and gives away cars for free to single moms, widows, and wives of deployed military. You can help God's Garage by donating a vehicle, volunteering your time, or by monetary donation. God's Garage is located at 2106 East Davis, Conroe. If you'd like to learn more about God's Garage, visit our website at godsgarage.org. Or you can contact us, and we would be glad to come and make a presentation to your group. We have the safest food supply in the world. Strict laws and regulations restrict the usage of hormones, antibiotics, and pesticides within our food supply. Production agriculture practices and technologies such as the use of GMOs, which is not any more or less risky than conventional crop production, has allowed American farmers to produce more food on less acres in environmentally sound ways. Find out more online at pathtoplate.tamu.edu. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make lives better. And here we are again with the Extension Hour. We've got Tiffany Lashman with us. Brandon Gregson's also in the studio with us today, and we're talking about agriculture law. We've learned a lot of great information, a lot of helpful things, so like things to, to think about. So hopefully think about before there's a crisis, because obviously when there's a crisis, it's no fun. Um, and you kind of come up, you, you realize, you know, could have, should have, would have done this, this, and this before, um, you know, this happened. So um, we are like I said, talking about um, the agricultural law, and we talked a little bit about protecting yourself with liability, some about fence laws. We talked a little bit about estate planning. And Tiffany, we wanted to come up with some like top things. And you said you came up with like lucky number seven. So seven things that you want to mention that um, like if people don't hear anything else in this whole podcast, these seven things would be things that you really want them to remember. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so our top seven list. The, the first one is we we hit on those resources that are related to agricultural law. If that's something that you're interested in, if any of these topics have sparked an interest, go to my blog. That's where I would start. It's the Texas Agriculture Law blog. You can just Google it. When you get there, all my resources are there. You're going to see a link to get you to that podcast we talked about. My handbooks are all there. So if you're interested and you want a place to just sort of start with your homework, I think that that um, Texas Agriculture Law blog is a really useful resource that we've got. Okay. Um, the second thing is related to landowner liability. You have to have liability insurance. No, no other choice. You have to do no, it. I mean, do it. <laughs> just do it. That's right. I mean, you saw me waffle with Brandon a while ago when he brought up like, do I need a trust? Do I need a ladybird deed? Well, the lawyer answer is always, it depends, right? <laughs> it not for liability insurance, you need it, right? Call an agent today, because you need to make sure you've got that protection in place. Okay. Um, the third thing also on the liability front is, remember to take a look at those three um, statutes that offer liability protection here in Texas for rural landowners, the recreational use statute, the Agritourism Act, and the Farm Animal Liability Act. Um, you can go, I have information about all those on my blog, We've done a podcast episode about it. Um, in my Owning Your Piece of Texas book, there's a whole chapter discussing that. So there's lots of info available there. Those are three statutes that are really important that I feel like a lot of Texas landowners are just not aware of. Okay. Um, okay, number four, you need to know anywhere where you've got livestock, you need to know, uh, is there a local stock law and understand if you are open range or closed range? 
if you're in Montgomery County, Brandon had your back today and he lets you know that you're a close range county. Um, but do your homework on that because that's the starting place almost for any fence law question, right? Whether it's an animal gets hit by a car on the road, whether it's my neighbor's bull keeps getting into my pasture, you have to start with, are you in an open range area or a closed range area? All right. So know where you're at. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, number five uh, on the estate planning front, you need to have those four documents we talked about. And again, this is a, this applies to everyone, not just people involved in agriculture. That's a will, uh, advanced directive, medical power of attorney, and a durable uh, power of attorney. You need to have those four documents as part of any estate plan. And again, just do it. <laughs> yeah, just do it. Right. That, one, that one's just a checklist, yeah. right? Let's just yeah. get those done. Yeah. Um, number six is you need to have a succession plan if you're involved in agriculture. Okay. And again, this is where, this is more than just who do I leave the farm to in my will, right? This is really thinking about how are we going to make sure this operation is successful in the future, right? Who do we need to bring in now? Who needs experience about this? Who are we going to train on these pieces? Who's interested in being involved in the future? Having those conversations to really develop a well-planned succession for the farming operation are really critical. Okay. And then my last thing I would say is utilize your extension agents because I'm telling you, I work with agents around the state. Montgomery County is very fortunate to have two great ones who are extremely knowledgeable, who really want to help and who know where to find resources if there are questions that maybe they don't know the answer to. And so you guys are lucky. You need to make contact, get a good relationship uh, with Amy and Brandon because they are a super great resource that are available in your county. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and so, and adding to that, I mean, having someone like you as a specialist and what we mentioned when we um, first started talking about this, you don't practice law, you don't give legal advice specifically legal advice, but you give a lot of um, suggestions and things to think about. And those are those are important mm -hmm. because, um, you know, when you're making decisions, one decision is not always right for everybody. And so just finding out information and getting more education and that's really, really what extension is, mm -hmm. is all about is, is just providing that education so that people can make well-informed, good decisions, whether it's what type of crop they actually grow or what kind of animals they have on their land, um, all the way to what kind of food they eat and what kind of legal decisions they make. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, one huge start. benefit of extension is we're providing, you know, unbiased factual information. Right. And so I always tell people, look, like, I'm not trying to sell you on anything. I'm not here for right. the lawyer's union. Okay. I'm just telling you, like, here's some things you need to think about. Here's some questions you can take in and talk to your lawyer about. And you can trust what I'm telling you is just trying to get you the right information to ask the right questions. I'm not here to sell you on anything. So I think that that's a real benefit that's unique to extension um, and that makes us, uh, you know, really stand out from some of the other like educational uh, pro programs people could attend. Right. What you were saying, that's the place, kind of the place to start. Yeah, a lot of times it gives you a place to start, you yeah. know, even if it's not the whole deal, gives you stepping stones right. to go from there. So. Can we yeah. say sometimes the place to go when you need to the know? Place to go when you need to know. Sounds good, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. 
So, and then, of course, the Extension Hour, we feel like that's a good place to go when you need to know. And Tiffany, we'd love to have you back on another show, and uh, we can talk more in detail about some of these things or some of the other things that you get asked often. And hopefully, you'll get to be here in person to do the owning owning your piece of Texas. Is that that's the, it. Yep. Yes. So an in-person all-day workshop to really get kind of in-depth and in-person with Tiffany to um, ask those questions and find out more information. Again, where to where to start. And some more entertaining stories to go along with it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I got no shortage of stories. There, the Economist has the office next to mine, and she always is telling people, like, it used to be so boring, and then Tiffany moved in next door, and now I never know what I'm going to hear come out of that office. So. <laughs> okay, we, we have like two minutes. Tell us it. Tell us it. That's okay. a fun story. Um, my favorite FinFlaw story, I got this email from a guy who says, um, I, I don't know if I'm in an open range or a closed range county, but my neighbor's monkeys keep getting on my property. <laughs> and I'm like, am I being punk? Like I did. I texted a couple of my friends. I'm like, quit emailing me. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, he says the neighbors keep getting on my property. They're eating all my deer corn in the feeder. I need to know, like, can I shoot the monkeys? And I'm like, I did not go to law school for this. Like I, I, I cannot help you. Like this was not in the book, you know? So, so that's been an interesting one. Um, there's a lot of family dynamics that are really interesting. Uh, I've had a couple of meetings with folks like trying to help come up with a, a family um, lease, maybe that'll be fair to everybody or things like that. And I don't know, there was a huge blow up at Christmas. I got to hear all about the, the new wife and the ex-wife and grandma didn't like so-and-so. I mean, it, it can get pretty juicy. Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, we get some good ones yeah. um, in our office too. And, and so you mentioned the monkeys, but one of the things that comes up fairly often is the uh, bees, like my neighbor's bees are in my, mm-hmm. even, even in yeah. town. So we have some beekeepers in town, so we don't have time to, to talk about all of that. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that could be a whole topic on its own for yeah. sure. Exactly. All right. So thank you so much for being with us, Tiffany. We really appreciate it. It's it's really cool to be able to have you here by by Zoom because um, you are, like you said, in, in Amarillo. And um, that, that that's a far piece, a far piece. Mm-hmm. That's a really, really long drive right. um, from here. So it's really great to have you be able to join us um, by Zoom right here on the Extension Hour. So, you know, every we're here every Friday, 1 to 2 p.m. Um, and we talk about all kinds of things related to extension. So, you know, it may be our family community health topic one week. It may be our agriculture topic another week. With 4-H and youth development, we have them in um, sometimes. So, you know, extension has a lot, a lot of stuff. <laughs> and we talk about all kinds of things here on the Extension Hour. But we're really happy to be here on um, Lone Star Community Radio 104.5, 106.1 worldwide. We're on Facebook Live. So, you know, share this with people that you think might uh, need some more information about, well, estate planning for everybody and then those um, agriculture things that really need to be thought about um, in terms of um, uh, owning land in Texas. All right. Thanks again. It's great to see you, Tiffany. Thanks for being in, Brandon. And we'll see you next time.